Nick, where are you right now? I'm in Puerto Rico. Oh, are you in Puerto Rico? Oh, man, everyone's in Puerto Rico. I'm just enjoying the weather. I, I, I'm not, I don't live here or anything. <laughs> oh, you don't live there? No, no, no. There's a good amount of people down here, though. Yeah, I heard everyone's going down to Puerto Rico right now. It's pretty nice, man. I gotta yeah. say. And I'm, I grew up in Hawaii, so the tropical weather kind of reminds me of home. I know, I know. I was, I was in the, what's it called, Dominican Republic, not too long ago. Well, it was Canadian, nice, so but you don't, you don't need to. Worry yeah. About stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Bastard. I'm moving to Thailand. I don't know if I told you. Oh, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, I'm moving to Thailand next uh, next month. So, I've just been sorting everything out on on. Uh, Oh, in Canada right now. Just soaking up Yo, the last, last few months of frigid snow. cold in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Snow. Um, but yeah, like we, uh, our visa just got approved. Nice. Um, in Thailand. So yeah, it's, uh, it's all ready to go. Legendary. Yeah, you're going to be in Bangkok? Yeah, I think a lot of people told me to come to Phuket. I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do... I don't know if I can do Phuket. It just feels like I'm going to run out of things to do in, like, a week. Yeah, I, I don't know Thailand that well, but it's beautiful. Great food. Yeah, great food. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the city much better, so definitely looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I think we, uh, yeah, I think we can get started. Um, Let's do it. Uh, what's it called? Yeah, I think just people will trickle in as uh, as we go along. Um, but yeah, Nick, um, good to have you. I mean, yeah, we worked together for about, what, like a year and a half? Mm-hmm. About and that, then, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then uh, Nick kind of went to Celestia, and then I officially started M6 afterwards. Um, so we kind of like, yeah, went our separate pathways and now we're kind of like getting back together again. So this is exciting. Um, Nick, but yeah, like, why don't you, uh, give us a little quick intro and then we'll just kind of get started from there. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm Nick. I, um, grew up in Hawaii. I, um, an electrical engineer by training. And uh, first was interested in AI, then got into crypto in 2018, co-founded Harmony. And then in late 2020, I learned about this new project called Lazy Ledger. I read this white paper and it just totally blew my mind and kind of stopped me in my tracks. And, and for a good two weeks, I couldn't think about anything else. I almost couldn't sleep because the 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 realization that this was kind of like the the end game, the answer to a lot of problems uh, in blockchain infrastructure just kind of like dawned on me. And so I fell down this rabbit hole and eventually that led to me leaving Harmony and joining Lazy Ledger at the time, which is now rebranded as Celestia. Cool. Um, yeah, it's good to have you, man. Um, what's it called? I think we have a couple of, yeah, like, I think we have agenda here that we kind of want to get along. I mean, like, the format's pretty 
it's pretty flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a fireside chat. We'll, we have an agenda, but we rarely follow the agenda <laughs> to the fullest. Um, yeah, that's just the way it is. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, we go down the rabbit hole and if it seems interesting, we'll just kind of like stick to that rabbit hole and go deeper. But yeah, um, Luke, why don't you kind of start us off then? Uh, let's, let's get to know a little bit about Celestia, um, like at least like a high level overview and then we can start delving down a little bit in different topics. Yeah, so I, it's probably best to, to start off with the intro for Celestia to kind of give people, um, yeah, to give people a better idea of, of what it is and uh, yeah, then we could go from there, I think. Uh, so, yeah. so yeah, so Nick, what is uh, Celestia? Uh, sure, yeah, so Celestia is the first modular blockchain network and the way that you can think about it is it's sort of like cloud computing infrastructure for Web3. Um, and I know people have probably heard that same pitch many times, but I guess we'll, uh, throughout this interview, kind of unpack why I think that it's actually the right way to think about Celestia as compared to um, other projects that have made a similar claim. So um, what does it mean to be a modular blockchain network? Well, to, to understand that, we first have to sort of go on the topic of um, monolithic blockchains. So um, a monolithic blockchain is essentially um, what any other blockchain that's been built so far, including Bitcoin and Ethereum, even Solana or any like Cosmos chain, essentially. Basically, any blockchain in existence right now is is what I would call a modular blockchain. I mean, a monolithic blockchain. And what that means is that they couple the two core components of what blockchains need to do in order to support decentralized applications. So those two components are consensus, which is where uh, it's probably a term that people have heard of if they're familiar with layer one blockchains. And that is where the... Um, Sorry, I dropped out there. Can you guys hear me? Uh, Sorry about that. Yeah. You're back. Okay, great. Sorry. Yeah, so consensus is where is the method by which uh, participants in the network agree on what the next block is to be added to the chain. And the result of that is that you order the transactions. Um, and that's important because everyone has to agree on what has happened when in order to have a decentralized view on, you know, what what the like the blockchain is like what the state of the blockchain is for example so the second piece uh after consensus is execution so you can think of that as sort of like the computer part of the blockchain so that's where you know that's like the evm in in um, ethereum it's basically it sets the rules for how transactions are interpreted and what transactions are valid and also what the output of every transaction is like how does it update the state of the chain so an example would be you know if i send a transaction that uh, interacts with a smart contract the um the sort of execution part of the chain will be the thing that determines how that transaction um basically updates the state of that smart contract like making a trade or you know whose balances get updated in what way 
So <clears throat> those two things in a monolithic chain are tightly coupled. And so the consent, every time you add a new block to the blockchain, you also verify all those transactions and apply them to the state. So you, you, you execute them. And um, basically Celestia's insight is that you can actually separate those two things into separate components, into separate protocols. And those protocols can live independently, but then connect to each other. And you end up still being able to support um, decentralized applications. And, and, th and then some, like you get all these advantages. So you get scalability, you get better security, um, you get better flexibility and sovereignty. Um, and you also are, enable, uh, are able to support better uh, interoperability between apps built on sort of this modular platform. That's, I think that's really good insight. Um, just a quick question, isn't that like Tendermint's kind of um, in the Cosmos kind of IBC's standpoint, like trying to do this, that their Tendermint's kind of consensus engine and you have um, technically like all kinds of VMs on top of it? Yeah, or, or is it I, like this is a really, really good point. And this is a, a thing that a lot of people get hung up on because this the term modular became really popular towards the end of last year um, because, uh, you know, Ethereum started pursuing sort of like a, I would say a similar kind of roadmap and people like Paulinia, if you guys are familiar with him on Twitter, were espousing all the benefits of this modular sort of protocol stack. Um, and the thing is that while it's true, well, I guess, so I'll, I'll explain it this way. There are two different ways like modularity is something that exists in engineering in a lot of different areas right and it, and it can be interpreted to mean different things relative to different sort of aspects of technology so specific to blockchain as as this term modular got popular it also started getting applied not just to mean like the original meaning which is modular protocols but also modular sort of software stacks to build blockchains. So what I mean by this is that um, let's take the Cosmos software stack. What they did was sort of a precursor, I would say, to what Celestia did in that they um, separated consensus from execution in the way that they built their software. So they built Tendermint, which is basically this library. It's like a it's like a consensus engine. Um, and then they built a Cosmos SDK and there's this ABCI interface in which you plug in your Cosmos SDK app. The, the SDK is, is basically the execution layer into the consensus layer. But the thing is, and this is really the important thing, uh, that when you build an app using Cosmos SDK and Tendermint, it is still a monolithic chain if it's doing both of those things because it's doing both consensus and execution tightly coupled together on the same network on the same protocol if that makes sense whereas for a modular protocol like celestia you're so celestia itself is just a consensus layer it also does something called data availability which we'll get into 
Um, but it only does that. So like the block, the blocks in Celestia, all the data in there, as far as Celestia is concerned, is meaningless. It's just zeros and ones. And the validators don't care at all about the validity of the transactions. They don't interpret those transactions. They just put them into blocks and they, they make sure that they're not going to be reorged, meaning that there's like, they come to consensus on them and then they make sure that they're available. And then people like separate people can deploy execution layers on top of Celestia. And so uh, like, this is a key difference because they don't like now in this model, you can deploy essentially a new blockchain without having to create a new consensus network. But see, every time, for example, when you use Cosmos SDK plus Tendermint to build a new blockchain, you actually have to create a new set of validators and you have to create a new um, like proof of stake token and coordinate a whole new consensus layer. And you have to update it, you have to maintain it. With Celestia, all, all of that is taken care of because you just plug into, it's like a plug and play consensus layer that anyone can build on. So I hope that kind of explains the so difference between modular protocols versus like modular software stack. I think I understood that relatively, um, at least from like protocol versus um, the software stack, mm -hmm. like that made sense. Um, so just got a little bit of a hint of kind of what the benefits would be. Correct me if I'm wrong, but so like, let's say you have Celestia running with like, a, you know, this consensus focus chain that doesn't really execute any transactions. Um, then it's now really good for scalability because anyone can use this like consensus chain to settle the consensus on their own chain, but like it basically runs for every execution like network that wants to use it. Is, is that roughly how it works? Yeah, well... I'll, I'll try to clarify. So what Celestia is, is it's just a resource of block space that any anyone can tap into to deploy their own blockchain. Um, but right. when I say deploy their own blockchain, what I mean is they're not, they don't have to create a new consensus network or a new actual like, you know, like the, the guts of the blockchain, like the network and the, the mm -hmm. protocol that's actually you know, all those nodes that are ensuring the centralization and security and all that. What I mean is they have basically what you call a roll-up and the yep. roll-up sequencer orders, takes, has its own mempool and its own sort of peer-to-peer -peer layer where it takes in transactions from users. It rolls all those transactions yep. into a block and then posts them onto Celestia. But the thing is that running that kind of network is extremely light compared to running a, a fully independent consensus network from scratch, if that makes sense. And the scalability part is a little bit different. We can, we can dive into that if you want to. Right. So I guess like to visualize, let's say you have Celestia running for two years. First year's block space might be all EVM, but then maybe this EVM chain dies. The next year's blocks might all be like a substrate related kind of a environment. And that's all fine. Well, yeah. So essentially, the one of the beauties. So this is touching a bit on the flexibility part. So 
unlike so in a monolithic paradigm um the execution rules are enshrined and they're tightly bound to the consensus right so what that means is that pretty much you're limited to whatever execution environment that monolithic chain supports and no you can't use any others so let's say i am a you know adapt developer and i want to build an application uh using i don't know let's say uh wasm i cannot deploy that app on ethereum because ethereum only supports the evm right and there's there's a lot of reasons why i might want to build a, a wasm app because it's might be better for my specific use case um now the beauty of celestia is that there's actually no enshrined execution environment and therefore i as the developer can choose what execution environment i want to use specifically for my app if i want to and also just to clarify you can run as many of these different execution environments in parallel on Celestia at the same yeah. time. So it doesn't, it's not like everyone has you to run- compete for a block space kind of. Yeah, they, they're, just, they're just sharing a common security layer. So you can think of Celestia as a really scalable security layer for like any kind of uh, decentralized application to run on top of it. And that's, and this is kind of, I think it's, this is a good segue into why you know, cloud computing, uh, like Celestia, you can com compare Celestia to cloud computing for Web3 is because if you think about the, the history, the evolution of Web2 applications, it started, uh, it started out such that you, if you wanted to, you know, host a website, for example, you had to host your own server at home, essentially, right? So it's really for like hobbyists or like really like intense people. And that's kind of equivalent to the Bitcoin era of, of blockchains, where every time you wanted to build a new decentralized application, you had to spin up a new network. So you had Bitcoin and Namecoin, um, Litecoin, uh, Mastercoin, all these projects. Then the next evolution of Web2 infrastructure was shared hosting providers like GeoCities. And what they did was they made it so that rather than having to set up your own infrastructure, you could actually just deploy on top of sort of like this shared server environment that they had. But the problem was that then you were restricted to only the, basically the, the kind of programming languages and infrastructure that that hosting provider supported. So the, the equivalent of this in Web3 is Ethereum. They came along and said, hey, every time you wanna build a new decentralized application, Rather than building a new blockchain, you can write a smart contract and deploy it on top of Ethereum, right? And then, yeah. but the, again, like the but the, the constrictions of that are, are very similar to the Web two case. You're only you're stuck um, basically within the programming environment of um, of 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 the EVM. And furthermore, fundamentally, that model doesn't scale. And eventually everyone's just competing over this very limited block space on Ethereum. And then that brings us to sort of like the web three, like, yeah, like web two in the cloud era is basically all of a sudden we have these really, really scalable, um, like 
uh, web server, or like data centers, essentially run by AWS or Azure um, or Google Cloud. And they have full virtualization. So I can deploy a VM with whatever kind of operating system or whatever kind of build I want. I, as the developer, have complete flexibility over that. And I can scale up and scale down as I need because it's just sort of like this resource in the cloud, right? Uh, and, and Celestia is that, um, but for Web3 in the sense that it's sort of like this very scalable, malleable block space, like consensus network. And I, as a developer, can come to it and deploy whatever kind of virtual, rather than like a virtual machine, like a virtual blockchain, aka a rollup on top of it. Mm-hmm. And I can scale up, I can, I can consume as much block space of Celestia as I want or, or as little as I want. It's like this on-demand resource. So how, how on demand is this? Because like when you compare it, like if you use the word kind of block space, then like obviously there are constraints on the Celestia consensus network. Mm-hmm. Anyways, right? Like is there a way to infinitely scale that? And because if you don't, then it's kind of just stripping away the execution from Ethereum mm-hmm. and putting rollups. Exactly. Yes. Great. Great question, and this is one of the really, really key features of Celestia that makes it so powerful. It like, I mean, decoupling consensus from execution on its own is a great idea for all the reasons we've already gone through. But um, you know, that's not enough, right? Like, as we all know, one of the core problems for Web three infrastructure right now is that it's not very scalable, and. Celestia, I, I would say that's one of Celestia's greatest advantage, advantages over any uh, monolithic chain is essentially by removing execution from the layer one, you can create a paradigm where block space can scale with the number of nodes in the network. So, you know, monolithic chains are kind of stuck, as we all heard uh, in the scalability trilemma where essentially to me it's more of a dilemma like it's there's scalability on one side and then there's decentralization on the other which is essentially that if you want to scale the block space in your network inherently you have to require bigger nodes so that's why for example solana you know requires much more powerful nodes than ethereum in ethereum you just need a laptop with solana you need like you know, supercomputer essentially. Um, and so the, the trade-off there is that you're no longer decentralized. Um, but that's the only way that if you're in a monolithic paradigm, it's really the only way that you can scale block space. In, in Celestia's case, there's this new technology that um, Mustafa, our co-founder, um, came up with in a paper that he co-authored with Vitalik in 2019 called Fraud and Data Availability Proofs. Uh, and essentially, uh, the, the, the secret sauce is data availability sampling. And what that is, is it basically, I guess we have to kind of talk a bit about data availability. Maybe we can talk about that next. But essentially, what it enables mm-hmm. you to do is it enables a node in the network to verify the block with uh, 
with very like basically the very little very, yeah very like they can verify a block that is a size let's say you know 100 megabytes by only sampling let's say 10 kilobytes of data or something i, I just made up those numbers but the point is that yeah. you you can essentially um you can have a really really big block and end, end user nodes can basically verify that block on something with very little resources like like a smartphone for example yeah so this actual mobile mining actually become potentially becoming a reality where there are ten, millions of nodes yeah exactly and in fact um, i mean um you can see proof of this uh like a few weeks ago mustafa himself uh compiled and ran a node a sampling node on his android phone so like it's not it's not just like you know marketing speak it's like actually possible that's so so basically then the scaling constraint is no longer like how individually powerful the like the minimum requirement for the system is rather like how many nodes there are to be sufficiently decentralized where like in case you you want to um um as long as there are that many people running small light nodes around you like you don't need um uh you it can be fast enough to kind of do all kinds of scaling like upgrades and exactly yeah and so when so unlike monolithic chains um where no matter how many like you add more nodes to the network it doesn't change the sort of a, the block size limit in Celestia, as more and more people sample, more and more people run these sampling nodes, then the bigger you can securely in increase the block size too. Um, because essentially what you, what you rely on, the, what the data availability sampling scheme relies on are uh, that, there's a, that there's a minimum number of people sampling a, like a, a minimum amount of the block. And so as long as you uh -huh. have that, you're either above that threshold then the then the the protocol is secure if that makes sense so then of course if you add more people then you can actually increase that block size safely that's really cool so basically it's again like actual mobile mining but unlike the marketing what people say with like oh more nodes more scalability more good with nodes on phones but that never worked like mobile mining has always been I mean, mm -hmm. but now it's this is actually a a paper, and it's um at least for for the proof stage, it's it's working. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I I I think I I think I caught that. I mean, like I'm overall, I'm just like super so far super intrigued by Celestia with all the like. Um, Anselm was so bullish on it. I know, like, Stan was super bullish on it. And she's been meaning to learn about Celestia for a while now. Um, I always thought it was, like, similar to IBC, in, in a way, because it's kind of the same crowd. Mm -hmm. But I guess they just understand modular design a little bit better. Well, um, well yeah, let me, let me, let me really explain cool. that a little bit. So we're actually very close with the Cosmos ecosystem overall because we... And this is where it gets a little bit tricky, so I don't want to confuse people. <laughs> but we built Celestia using Tendermint and the Cosmos SDK. 
So we used a modular software stack to build a modular blockchain protocol. Um, and so anyway, what I'm trying to say is that we are uh, related to the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, you know, Zucky uh, and uh, Ethan Buckman, uh, for example, are our advisors to the project. And um, we share a lot of um, the same kind of, I would say, uh, ethos as the Cosmos community and, and beliefs and like how how to do blockchain interoperability, you know, how to build blockchain protocols in general. So there's a lot of overlap there, but I think like I, we're not just, I would say another Cosmos zone. We're sort of like a new layer one ecosystem um, that enables anyone to deploy all kinds of blockchains, not just Cosmos-based blockchains, but EVM-based chains or substrate-based chains or, um, you know, WASM-based chains or, you know, like anything under the sun, essentially. That, that's cool. That, I mean, that's definitely the, the stack to go for right now for the most, um, like, uh, programmability across, like, all the stacks. It's great choice. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, one, one Sorry, of the things a... that I also just want to say is that, in our opinion, our view, there hasn't been... So in the same way that um, when if we go back to sort of the web analogy that I gave earlier, right? And, and so the, the early Web3 era where we're talking about every time you needed to deploy a new decentralized application, you had to build a new layer one from scratch, essentially. So, you know, because you can't, because Bitcoin is not programmable, you had, like, if you wanted to do something different, you'd have to basically launch a whole new blockchain. So what Ethereum did was it enabled, it made it super easy for someone to build a new decentralized application. They didn't need to, uh, you know, build a whole new one from scratch, a whole new network from scratch, essentially. And on top of that, it enabled composability between those decentralized applications. Whereas in the old model, like if you built something like another network, you couldn't really connect it to Bitcoin. Like they were, they were independent. So, mm -hmm. and what that did is it unleashed all this innovation in uh, decentralized applications because all of a sudden it made it super cheap and easy co uh, like by comparison to, to build and deploy something new. So we actually see Celestia doing the same thing, but sort of like one layer lower in the stack. And like, I think there hasn't been very much innovation or experimentation on the uh, execution layer. Um, because it's been so hard to build a new chain because it no, like, for example, that like you can't just fork it. You can't just like upgrade Ethereum and try a new execution environment because everything would break. Right. But Celestia makes yeah. it possible in the same way that Ethereum made it easy to deploy and experiment with new uh, decentralized applications. Celestia will make it easy for people to play around with and deploy new execution environments. And the beauty of this too, just like, uh, Ethereum made it possible for those decentralized applications to be composable. Um, these new execution chains will also be composable because Celestia kind of provides this shared security. So composable, by the way, I should caveat that they're not, it's not atomically composable like in Ethereum. They're still separate chains, but they have, right. they can interoperate with really, really high security. 
security that you can't get uh, between two chains that don't share a common data availability layer like Celestia. Yeah, a little bit similar to like early stage atomic swap, I guess. Um, um, yeah. cool. I guess like when you had like like Bitcoin's atomic swapping into Litecoin mm, because the two chains mm, are mm, technically. Mm, right? mm, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, like hash time lock contracts and stuff. I think yeah. I remember. Yeah, those are like I think more secure than, for example, you know the t typical bridging with like 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 clients for example um but yeah so it's kind of a similar thing the point but this can be things like htlcs are, are like like atomic swaps are not very interesting right in terms of interoperability it's like oh i can just swap coins across two chains yeah. the point is that celestia can in, in uh enable very rich types of interoperability between two different chains um, because essentially, by sharing a common data availability layer, those two chains can can trust each other, essentially. Whereas in a in a typical uh, model of interoperability, those two chains have to be sort of like treated as independent actors, right? They can't trust each other um, because yeah. they don't share a common security layer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes sense. So you, you need like a third, like, like, yeah, you either instead of no providers you, yeah, to, you either to take need, care of that security and check that specifically. Yeah, you can either have like a committee based bridge where it's, it's basically another blockchain, yeah. like kind of like in, standing in between them, or you yeah. do something where you run a light client of the other chain on chain. Like, and, and the thing is that light clients are not actually that secure. They assume that the other blockchain, uh, the other blockchain's validators are honest, and if they if they are dishonest, then that um, then the bridge can basically be broken and exploited, and the, like one chain can steal funds from the other chain. Yeah. This is this is this is. Okay. I hope we're not getting too technical um, or anything. Guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of want to uh, like, put it up a bit. Um, also, yeah, I don't know if uh, Kadeem got all of that for our notes. <laughs> I'm like, feel free to reach out to Nick. Yeah, yeah, because like the last 10 minutes, I was like, ooh, I'm a little bit worried like how deep he can get on this. <laughs> um, especially, yeah, like, um, yeah, like, because like we we're just like going through the voice and we're like I'm having trouble like just processing and like following through. So like I can't imagine like having trying to, you know, put this into notes. But we do. We are gonna have all of this into like a bullets notes that are um, usually post on our Telegram channel. So um, yeah, M6 bullets. So if you go into Telegram, we'll, you'll be able to find our channel there. But yeah, dude, uh, thank you so much for kind of like that detailed explanation. Um, I think. Uh, I have a little bit better idea. I honestly thought it was like another layer one. <laughs> because I like, mean, I yeah, it's just like another layer one, but like a little bit lower layer using a uh, Cosmos stack. But I didn't know it was it was philosophically like the idea was so so different and like 
So like uh Yeah, this core idea of like execution layer and consistency layer kinda like I don't know if uh I guess like IBC kinda of does that, but yeah, I get like that was really interesting for me. I I mean like we're at a maturity where people are starting to kind of divide different sections of blockchain mm-hmm. and, you know, like innovating through that. So, I, yeah, that was really interesting for me to learn, like you could think about blockchain in that angle, like more of a modular angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, my, my pleasure um, to, yeah. to uh, get a chance to talk to everyone. And um, yeah, if, there, if people have more questions, then, you know, you can always tweet at us or jump in the discord or telegram and ask us questions. Um, we, we realize that like what we're building is can be very confusing. In fact, it took me, I I'm in a privileged place because, you know, I learned about it and, uh, I was able to just basically have one-on-one conversations with Mustafa and John and Ismail and everyone for the past like year and a half. So <laughs> I've, I've had the chance to like clarify right. all the confusion. So for me, it's a very clear picture now. But like, I was also just as confused at the beginning because understanding Celestia requires you to go back to the basics of blockchain and really, really, really fundamentally understand the basics of blockchain. It's sort of like Elon Musk always talks about first principles. So you have to have your first principles really, really well worked out. And then you have to rebuild everything from scratch. And then you can arrive at sort of like the epiphany. So it, it takes time and it's a rabbit hole of its own. Do you have like a, do you guys have like an overview, like a, uh, like a really simple to understand kind of like graphic that's out there? Um, like super simple, like do, blog or, well, cause like otherwise, there is a, yeah, like we're thinking about creating one well, would, for Mara. I love that, man. I would, I would happily, uh, yeah. with you. We have, um, yeah, let's like do that, Kadeem. Let's our... uh, let's get that initiative going. Sure, yeah, we have one on our website. It's like it shows you kind of like visually a monolithic versus a modular architecture. Um, and I'm I have a, a blog post that I'm planning to release in the next couple of weeks that is sort of like a walkthrough. And I tried to keep it not yeah. technical, but it's really hard because, as I said, like you need to touch on the first principles. So I'm hoping that it's I'm trying to make it more accessible. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely yeah, I'm, I'm like myself. even th- thinking about like because like it's it's hard to come across like another layer one um, nowadays that are like worthy of like us going into it deeply and then like really trying to understand it because like layer one game has been so saturated. Absolutely, but I feel like with yeah with celestia i think it might be worth it for us to kind of revisit how some of the layer ones um are kind of crafted mm-hmm. um yeah like i i'm not i'm not trying to like go deep deep in maybe um having a more of a surface layer almost like a one-on-one kind of layer um where we kind of show different architecture and then like basically you know highlight some of the celestia's like architecture you know with the like with the focus on like some of the bigger concepts like modularizing the um consensus layer versus execution layer and like how that kind of differs from like you know existing like um you know like the existing scaling i guess like solutions mm-hmm. like what harmony is doing with um you know sharding or you know, like the the kind of revisiting all the like you know side chains mm-hmm. and um, you know like all of those like scale and like layer two solutions and all of that, right? So 
feel like it could be a good kind of like a touch point because like I, I feel like everyone has kind of lost we, we used to talk about it a lot in 2017-18 and then everyone I think the new crowd just take it as it is mm-hmm. because like they haven't gone through the whole like discovery of like what could be possible mm-hmm. in terms of scaling mm-hmm. so could be a really good piece yeah in terms of uh, in terms of like research yeah and I, yeah, so yeah, let's get that I going. I want to say that I think the the current L ones, you know, like Harmony or Solana or Avalanche, are important stepping stones uh, in terms of scalability. And you know, if we didn't have those right now, and we only had Ethereum, for example, like there would just be so much demand for block space, and like we wouldn't even have, we wouldn't be able to have the innovation and support the community that we currently do across all of Web three. Um, and I think that still like modular blockchains like Celestia are being built, but they still also need, you know, a year or two to sort of be able to sort of, t- I guess, take on the baton and sort of like, uh, I think, shepherd the next sort of wave of adoption. But so anyway, I, I, I think that like, but it's, it, yeah, it is very much, like, right. I do see it as sort of like we are at the beginning of a new era of blockchain infrastructure, like a modular era. And the, the monolithic era is sort of waning. It's still quite early, but I think eventually in a few years, the modular side will sort of take over. Yeah. I, I, I like wonder a little bit of like, how do you, how did the founders come up with this? Like, what was the principle to go at this? Like, is it just like, how can we scale or how do we design software better by making it more modular or like, what was, what was the thinking process? Cause this is like, I, I, nowadays nobody thinks about like a Bitcoin versus Ethereum versus like, how do we improve the, you know, basic um, layer anymore. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So, so, well, I mean, uh, as I said, like the origin, well, first of all, I, I mean, to me, credit goes to Mustafa who, uh, sort of came up with the idea first and foremost. Uh, and he he basically did a PhD um, in London on blockchain scalability. And, you know, the paper that he co-authored with Vitalik was really like sort of, I think, the beginning of this idea of scaling blockchains using data availability sampling. And then it was kind of a natural next step to realize that you could separate consensus and execution um so anyway i think i think it's really mustafa and just the fact that he's he's a galaxy brain to be honest um and so like you know he he was just like was thinking about this really deeply you know what i mean and and really he really understands blockchains so fundamentally like i just am so lucky that i get to work with him on a daily basis and like absorb through osmosis some of his uh you know his knowledge because like uh, yeah if anytime I ask him a question, he he knows the answer and he is like able to explain it so well. So that I think I think it's that's really what's up. And then John also John Adler, he was the first person to propose the idea of optimistic rollups, which really kind of completed the vision, right? Like Celestia without the idea of rollups is not nearly as powerful as the combination because like this this dummy chain. Well, yeah, you can still yeah. have this client-side execution model, which if you read the original Lazy Ledger white paper, that was like Mustafa's idea. It was still kind of, un- he even wrote in that paper towards the end, he said like, there's some open questions, one of which is like, how do you have like clients or how do you actually 
like what what are these client side chains, these virtual side chains, what he called them, what do they look like? And then the the answer to that turned out to be rollups essentially. And that came more, you know, from a completely different angle, which is like how do we scale Ethereum? So this is this is super cool. Yeah. Honestly. Like I think that that design itself and and also I think sharding to fit well with this. Because um, now you have actually so many nodes, it's like sharding could be, I don't know, from my primitive understanding, like actually exponentially more efficient. Like well, so the, the, the interesting thing is, by the way, that um, the, a modular stack actually bears a lot of resemblance to sharding. But so instead of having a beacon chain, which is... A, Every well, there's some caveats. Every shard in a sharded blockchain is itself monolithic, um, so you don't actually get the flexibility, as I was talking about, of different execution environments. The other thing is that sharding kind of has this bottleneck, which is the beacon chain, um, and the basically the way that you can think of. And then the other thing is that in sharding, you have a limited, you have a fixed set of shards, right? Now, in the in the Celestia model, you can think of this like Celestia, the L1 as sort of this beacon chain, right? It's this, it's this like shared security yeah. layer. And then you can think of all the rollups as different shards, but as opposed to uh, sharding the, the L1, the beacon chain can be extremely scalable. Whereas in a typical sharding, it can't be. And then second of all, you can deploy shards at will as many as you want. You can scale them up, scale them down, and you can basically, uh, deploy whatever kind of execution environment you want on that shard. You're not limited to the execution environment defined by that chain, which you do, you have that problem in sharding. So there's actually a lot, there's a lot of parallels essentially between the two designs. But like I would say the modular approach is sort of like that leveled up. And also I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't add that uh, sharding only scales, it's actually not, in my opinion, that decentralized because it only scales block production, meaning that it makes it so that you don't have to have a very powerful node to join one of the shards and start producing blocks. But the thing is that as an end user, what, what really matters for decentralization is end user verifiability. So that means like to me, blockchains are all about, I can use this chain without having to trust anyone else or trust anything except for math and cryptography. And um, what that means is I need to be able to verify the chain directly myself using my own computer. And um, in sharding, you don't like that. You can never, you can only verify one shard at a time with that. Like that your note. shard, you can't verify. Yeah, you can't. You That'd can't. Be you the process slow as before. Exactly. If you wanted to verify the yeah. whole chain or multiple shards at once, you basically have to have a bigger computer, right? So you, you start running into that same problem. So it doesn't actually make it more like decentral, like doesn't scale in terms of like decentralization. Whereas in this modular approach, as I talked about, like with the phone being able to verify Celestia that, as, a, as an L1. That's like the way that's the way you can verify is now like, yeah so scaled. it's a combination of 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 you can verify the l1 like celestia with data availability sampling and you can verify each roll up as a shard 
using fraud or validity proofs. So the combination of those things allows you to actually scale end user verif verifiability. So it's more secure and more decentralized at the end of the day. So yeah, that's, that's the way that I would compare modular versus like sharding. Anyway, I think we've gotten really deep. Wow. I think you guys have other topics to, to discuss. Uh, I see some people in the, in the, uh, I, yeah, listening. I, I don't know if anyone wants like, to ask questions or if we, if we have time, I'm, I'm happy to stick on longer. I think, yeah, Luke will probably have some questions. All right, I see Ansem listening. Yeah. Maybe Ansem wants to chime in. Or, or John uh, from Delphi is also listening. Yeah, whoever wants to join the speakers, just like, yeah. apply to, to speak, and then we'll, we'll bring it up. I just would see if he wanted to come up. Um, I guess one of my main questions was, um, I, I guess it re goes back to Avalanche, because... Mm. You referred to Avalanche as a monolithic blockchain mm -hmm. uh, once or twice, yep. um, but I, like with the subnets, like we do see the um, like the modular subnets like also sprouting up. So I think we're seeing like Krabata make their own subnet, and they're going to uh, be running their own subnet on the Avalanche uh, network. And like also with these subnets, they're able to have their own uh, virtual machines. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I guess what my main question is here is like, how do you see Celestia really competing against Avalanche in this sense uh, with yeah. these subnets that can be sprouted up? Yeah, so it's really important, again, to note that Avalanche as a sort of a platform is not modular in the protocol sense. So there's no shared security layer like Celestia on which you can deploy a new chain. When you are launching a new subnet, you are fundamentally building a new blockchain. So subnets are no different to Cosmos zones, right? So like Avalanche has built their software so that you can, it, 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 it's a modular software stack, if that makes sense. So like you can deploy different execution environments and use Avalanche as your consensus protocol. But you're still creating a new blockchain. And that blockchain is a standalone chain that does consensus and execution coupled together. Uh, and in that sense, you don't get any of these benefits that we're talking about. You don't get the scaling of end user verifiability. You don't get the... Um, the ability for these chains to interoperate um, without committee-based assumptions. Um, like, but basically, yeah. So I, what I'm trying to say is it's, I would say the Avalanche subnet thing is no different to Cosmos zones. So it's not, it's not, they're calling it modular, but they're, what they mean by that is it's a modular software stack, not a modular protocol stack. And, and I, may, I made okay, a I see. about this, by the way, so. I know you can share that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I'll uh, fish for that later. Um, okay, Some so... comparisons would be really helpful. Like, it's still, it's kind of uh, clear, but still with the Avalanche, because I, I don't understand Avalanche enough either to, like, really know. I, I, I thought it was like that, where the subnets don't actually have their so, own so they don't even, produce any blocks but even in the name itself like subnet 
to me connotes that they're yeah. building a new network from scratch. Uh, right? The point about Celestia is that you don't have to build a new consensus layer. Like you're deploying like a virtual side chain, like a virtual blockchain that plugs into another blockchain. So you don't need like you don't even need any consensus component. When you when you build on, on Celestia, you're not building another tendermint chain. Celestia is the tendermint chain and you leverage Celestia's consensus to run your own blockchain. So there's no, it's not a new consensus network. That's the whole value, prop, well, not the whole value proposition, but that's one of them, is that it, it's, like, it's like this shared infrastructure. Um, and so you can deploy a new, new blockchain without creating, like recreating that and without having to upkeep a new blockchain network. Does that make sense? The word blockchain itself in this context is even... Yeah, it is confusing. a little bit confusing. And in fact... It's Probably like an executor. Yeah, that's like why I like, a, you know, yeah, execution I mean, layer is is maybe a better better word for this. Or, you know, like a compiler calling it a roll-up is also a good idea. The reason that the reason that we don't... I don't always like to use the word roll-up is because people think of roll-ups as like baby chains to an L1. So like, cause, because rollups, kind of the idea from them came from Ethereum and people were like, oh, well, these rollups are basically just these baby chains that, you know, refer, revert back to Ethereum. But in, in, our, in our opinion, rollups are actually standalone chains. Like there's, they are sovereign chains and sovereignty is a really important uh, point in all of this. And so that's why we kind of like to say that they're blockchains. Um, because they are kind of for most, uh, in most ways, like their own blockchain, not like a, a baby blockchain of some other chain that has control over them. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it does. Um, yeah, just the wrong connotation around it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If, if, I mean, and the thing is we're really early in this, like I, you know, one of the guys that we work with is this guy, Matt DeFranti, and he was um he helped build uh ethereum in the very very early days like in 2014 you know building up to launch and everything and he remembers they were because they had invented something that was so new they really struggled with explaining it or even having the words to explain it you know and when they they came up with things like like the like smart contract as a term and they were, they were like struggle with it. They had, there was some other, I can't remember. He was telling me they had another name for a smart contract at the beginning that uh, may have been better. Something like with object, like autonomous objects or something like that, which kind of like is a, mm. like sort of re refers back to like object oriented programming. Um, but anyway, the point is that like he's, he was just saying that similar to with Celestia, they struggled to find the right words and the right way to explain what they were building. You know, and then they had things like World Computer and that helped people kind of get it, but still weren't quite accurate. And I think over time, hopefully, the the way that this is explained and expressed will get better. So it's easier for people to understand the nuances. But we're still, I think that just takes time on some level. Um, so if, but if people have ideas of like better ways to explain this stuff, then we, we are all ears. And we've really been loving all the community 
support like people have been creating all this content and uh it's just it's just awesome to see and i think together collectively we're going to come up with the right language for this that's pretty um, awesome well we brought oh yeah go ahead bacon no i mean i was just going to say like um when i first got introduced to ethereum i saw vitalik's video and all the words just like in the that times context just made no sense like all the um how there's this like execution on top of this blockchain you can run anything with it like what's going on there like how how do you run something on a blockchain like Mm -hmm. isn't it just like transactions and sending and receiving so yeah it's like when when it's something fundamentally different you really have to um it's good to have uh really new concepts and things that you you can like like understand what it does but like it's it's actually very hard to compare to other stuff mm-hmm. um i think we have Ansem on also um yo you guys can... yeah hey what's up, cool what's good guys Hey, big fan. Yeah, I def- definitely um, heard of this last year from you. Um, so, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, been so intrigued since. Uh... Yeah, man. I, I found I found Celestia because I was I realized that um, essentially rollups were modulizing the execution layer. But my first thought was, okay, if if people are modulizing that layer, then the other layers have to be modulized eventually, also. So that's why I, I started looking into that. Um, I, I I don't know. Can we still ask him questions? I'm I'm I'll be here. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Um, I what, the one of the questions I had. I know that um, like individual rollups that utilize Celestia as like a data availability layer, they have their own namespaces. Yes. Um, in Celestia, so like, I guess how is that data organized like for different rollups mm-hmm. and do like do like block producers are like they assigned to certain namespaces or like nodes have certain namespaces on like how to how do like different rollups with different namespaces is there any advantage to them like as far as like communicating with each other or does that have to be organized like previously at the application level if they want to do that that's a really good question so we're getting quite deep i'm impressed that you know about namespaces uh it shows you you've done your research <laughs> uh so tip of the hat to you uh so basically yeah so the part of the thing that enables rollups to run on celestia is that the data in the chain is uh coded we use a different kind of merkle tree so in a typical blockchain um there's like a, a transaction root hash right which is a root of a merkle tree of all the transactions that were basically uh input into that block, right? Um, and that's just a typical, it's just a normal Merkle tree. And in Celestia, we have we also have a root hash, it's called the data root hash. And it basically is a Merkle tree, a Merkle root of all the uh, chunks of data that are contained in that block. And we use a special type of Merkle tree called a namespace Merkle tree to do that. And what that, namespace Merkle tree is, is that basically 
um, it kind of creates little subsections within the Merkle tree that are associated with a certain almost like address. You can think of it. It's very, it's almost, it's very similar to like, you know, my address on Ethereum or Bitcoin. Like each namespace basically has like a number and um, all the data for with, that is associated with that number, that namespace is kind of collected together. And it's very easy for you to read and to verify that it's there, if that makes sense. And so the reason that's important is that you need to have, have a uh, sort of an efficient way for all the people who are using, like Celestia at the end of the day is going to be supporting, we hope, you know, maybe millions of rollups at the same time. Right. And the thing is, if they're all dumping their data on the chain randomly and it's not organized, then it'll be really hard for anyone to know where the data is that they want to find or that's relevant to them. Right. Because I don't like, right. let's say there's an NFT application, someone, someone's playing some play to earn game in one namespace, or like someone's playing a play to earn game. I'm doing DeFi stuff and like I only care about my specific DeFi applications, all this other crap going on. How do I know where the transactions that are relevant to my rollup, where do they live? And so the namespace is sort of an answer to that. Um, now to answer your question, so so basically you can you can imagine this Merkle tree is having like a namespace, and I would say, okay, these are the namespaces I care about, and I'm going to download all the data relevant to them. For example, right. So if I'm running a full node of this rollup that's running on this namespace, that's the data I pay attention to. Of course, I sample and I make sure all the data is available but I only really download the data that I need to. And I know where it lives and it's organized. Now to answer your question about like the validator part, do validators end up, um, you know, running like only validating a particular namespace? The answer is no, like every, the, the, the Celestia validators uh, just treat all the data as basically the same. I mean, they organize it in terms of namespace where there's no sort of like differentiated function. Um, However, uh, I will caveat that by saying that there, as Celestia scales, eventually it would be impossible for every, like we have this concept of full storage nodes, which would download all the data in every block. And they're basically like, like yeah. almost like archive nodes. The thing is that that eventually, like it'll become harder and harder for people to run a full storage node. Like let's say we're doing like, you know, each block is like hundreds of megabytes. Like it'll just be so much data. Um, and in that case, we, we, what we want to enable is these things called partial storage nodes that basically only store a portion of the block. And so what they could do, for example, is choose specific namespaces that they want to store. But, and by the way, I, uh, I'm probably confusing a lot of people because this storage is completely separate to ensuring the data availability. So I don't mean that they're, they're they're ensuring the data availability of particular namespaces and not others. They're still enable ensuring the data availability of everything via sampling, but they're just choosing to store data uh, about a specific namespace. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that's a good explanation. That's helpful. This is, yeah. <laughs> probably, probably a little bit deep. I, I, I can't really imagine like how choosing which part of the each each box Merkle tree to store is like still not picking and not con compromising the consensus, but I guess that's the 
beauty of the sampling algorithm, right? It's like you don't need the whole thing anyways. Exactly. As long as there's enough nodes on the network Pretty. and they're all sampling, then the data availability scheme is secure. Of course, the thing is, I yeah, I don't. I'll probably just confuse people more. But like, so if you down the more the block that you download, in theory, in some sense, the more you're also ensuring data availability. Like you're you're adding to. Uh, it's almost like sampling more of the block. So yeah. So can you like scale so, up kind of your the power of uh, like your powerful machine to like contribute t to 10 yeah. so, you know yeah. mobile phones mm -hmm. yeah so, so, so this is another really cool aspect of celestia is that while there's sort of there's actually kind of a there's no sort of like predefined uh like resources that you need to run a node like there will kind of be like a minimum where like if you want like you basically sample as much as you want as much security as you want essentially so like let's say this is your security threshold you, you tell us you want just 99% security, then you only have to sample, you know, this, maybe let's say three chunks. Then if you want 99.9999, you have to sample six chunks, for example. Um, but then if you, and the thing is that the more that you sample, it's not just that you become more secure in your own sort of knowledge uh, of data, of the data of the chain, but you also are actually contributing more scalability to the network, more security to the network because you're sampling more. So kind of an extension of that is that if you have a bigger machine, like a bigger node with more resources, you can do the sampling of let's say, uh, the equivalent amount of sampling of let's say a million mobile phones, for example. So you can, you're, what, what that means is you're contributing that much more scalability to the network as if a hundred, like a million more users joined. So that's, that's kind of a, it's an interesting thing where like, you know, you, you can run a Solana powered node if you want to on Celestia and it, uh, you'll be ultra, ultra secure and you also contribute more scalability or you can run, you know, a light, a light node like on your phone and you'll still be, you'll, your threshold of security will still be very, very high. Um, and, you, and you're just contributing, you're contributing less scalability overall, but you're still contributing. Does that make sense? That's, that has very cool implications, right? Because now <laughs> finance, they don't have to run a mobile type of, you know, security for themselves. Even if a mobile user, they, they might get a, instead of sharing like all 32 confirmations on the, before you, you, you say it's secure, like finance can run just like, 32 times as much and and it's just instantly you know approved and they they see that they it's secure versus like a mobile phone you might need to wait a little bit but it's really up to your use case now and that mm. i don't know if that's yeah that's like so, so, a, yeah, that's somewhat relevant although i think binance will still want some like aside from data availability confirmations they'll also want some level of like block confirmations because even, I mean, even it's, it's, it's weird right. because like, you know, we, we're BFT chain, meaning that in, in a sense you have instant finality, but even BFT chains, I know that they um, give a certain amount of time before they like accept the deposit. I, I don't know where their calculation, how they, how they make that decision, but you're right that like finance and larger institutions can lo run larger nodes and have bigger security and contribute more to the network. So you can, it's kind of like, it's kinda, I, what's that? Uh, it's like a communist 
thing like to each according to their to each according to their needs and to each according to their abilities or something like that <laughs> it's kind of that way with celestia uh and that like you know you sample as much as you need and you contribute as much as you can this is this is actually very very cloud-like very cool awesome cool well any other uh, questions or I feel like we've been talking a long time. I don't want to bore people. I know you have other... Long time. Yeah, we usually have... We do usually have an agenda, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, fuck it. I mean, (laughs) it's... it's, I was super excited. I was actually going to ask Arlem to make an introduction for us because I was looking to Celestia and apparently you guys worked it out. But, like, just so happened that we had this planned. So... Yeah, I, I, I mean, this mainly offer for myself because I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been wanting to learn about this for a while. Um, Luke, do we have something that's relevant, or do you have any questions? Uh, I think I'm pretty much. I got all my questions for Celestia answered. Um, as far as the agenda, uh, I don't think there's anything we need to touch on today. So like, yeah, time, time sensitive, anyways. And so what about you? Like, thanks for jumping on, by the way. And, and I saw you on sharing our space. It's been like, uh, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, I, I'm curious of your insights. I think a lot of people are as well. Like, uh, I think you were one of the first to like, kind of um, break down the um, Celestia's like kind of unique offerings to the public and. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, uh, aside from just how good the tech is, like, what, what do you, how do you see this, like, as um, interesting? Um, I don't know, like, <laughs> sorry to put you on well, the spot like that, but. No, you're good. Um, um, yeah, actually, I didn't even know what was happening today. I just scrolled the timeline and I saw it, so I clicked on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but. Celestia was, like I said before, Celestia was interesting to me because I saw, like, ZK roll-ups um, and optimistic, optimistic roll-ups um, essentially modulizing the execution layer, um, and people were speaking of Ethereum as essentially converting, or they're, they're, they're essentially their roadmap in the future is to be a data availability um, and settlement layer. Um, but in my head, um, I was just thinking, like, if we're going to be as optimized as possible, um, people are going to build other layers from the ground up the same way that they did with rollups. Um, and I was really looking for projects that were doing that. And I did, couldn't really find many doing that. And that's what I ran into um, Celestia. So I think it's like just from like a tech standpoint, usually if you're building new systems, the systems that are built from the ground up, are usually more efficient than the ones that you have to port over um, and do something new with just because of this is just how um, things work with old code and, and stuff like that. Like usually if you have an end goal that's very clear from the beginning, you do a better job of designing mm-hmm. systems mm-hmm. Um, that work that way from the, from the start. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And that's why, I mean, we're really, in a, uh, we're lucky in that like, we are starting from scratch. Like we don't have, uh, you know, an, uh, an old monolithic chain that we need to upgrade or that we need to basically ensure backwards compatibility with. Like we get to start over from, from zero and it's a blank 
canvas. And so we've been able to make all like with this new knowledge of like, okay, well, we can build blockchains in this modular way. How, how would we build the best, you know, modular layer one? And that's, that's exactly. basically the question that, that Celestia has been built to answer. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I've, I have a ton. Like, I, I always have a ton of questions because I, I read all of, like, Mustafa's papers. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> man. They're, they're, very, they're very, like, they're very high. They're very low-level, like, technical papers. So I, I always have a lot of questions, but I, I don't want to. I don't have people talk about low-level tech stuff for, for hours. So, I bet it's interesting. I mean, you can um, go for we'll it. Have to or we can do another, we can do another yeah. one. I'm, I'm also happy to do this another time. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll actually have a summary of this. And I guess um, we actually have a post-space um, group with all the summary and then like just kind of continue the discussion. I can give that to you guys. Um, I don't think it's already in there, I think. Yeah, the notes will be posted on our... On our Twitter as well, yeah. On, uh, yeah, Twitter and on our Telegram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, Ensign, do you want to come on a, a M6 call sometime in the future? Just <laughs> short, sure, man. Yeah, yeah sick, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, we, dude, we can... Talk about uh, it's been some of the uh, yeah, we have some similar guests that you would uh, you, you would kind of um, in in the same kind of uh, telegram group we we mentioned like uh, we had I think Torbear from Seeker last last week. Um, oh, we've been exploring a lot of the IBC Adam Cosmos related modular ecosystems. Um, yeah, yeah, I like Cosmos a lot, man. I think I think people are still sleeping on Cosmos really because. Nobody really understands what IBC is or what what that really means. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah, like I, I think a lot of people will will come to terms with that this year. I agree. All right. Well, yeah. um, what, what kind of maybe like for more kind of retail perspective, like what? How's the progress with Celeste right now? Like, what's kind of your roadmap ahead like wh- when did you start and um when you plan to launch and is there gonna be a token or um things like that like whatever you can say i mean that's also very interesting for me as well the answer is yes there will be a token absolutely because we are a layer one and so we're, we use a token for proof of stake because we're, we're running tendermint as our consensus and um yep. We also need the token because it's basically what you use to pay to post data into a Celestia block. So every rollup uh, that wants to use Celestia to run its infrastructure uh, will basically be paying transaction fees to, to the Celestia layer one. So it's similar to Ethereum and in, in that, like, you know, when I want to use Ethereum, I pay gas, which is like units of computation on the EVM, um, in, in Celestia, it's I pay basically per unit of data that I take up on, on the L1. So it's, it's, it's right. slightly different, but it, you can kind of think of it as a, as a very similar token model to that. And we, we do plan to, uh, oh, Mustafa's here on the, on the stream. Um, 
<laughs> maybe I don't know if he, he wants yeah. to come on and say hello. Here's um, Ansem. So <laughs> yeah, it's your chance, Ansem. You can ask all the questions that you had. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of progress, we uh, we launched our DevNet in late November last year, and uh, kind of as an early Christmas present, people in the community just kind of like went rabid, and now we have like 600 nodes which is awesome. And so we'll be ramping up to testnet and incentivize testnet through the first half of this year. And then if all goes well, we'll launch a mainnet next year. And I, I also want to uh, mention that we're not just building the infrastructure uh, like the, of the base protocol, we're also building tooling to enable rollups on top. So the, one, of, one of the things that we're building is um, uh, called quantum gravity bridge which is a bridge to Ethereum that allows rollups that settle on Ethereum to use Celestia for data availability. So basically like Ethereum call data will still be pretty expensive. So if Ethereum rollups can use Celestia for data availability, uh, although that is, is a sort of a trade-off on security there, they will be able to hopefully um, be more scalable. And then the other thing that we're building is Sevmos, which people may have heard of which is a, a settlement roll-up uh, on Celestia. So it enables um, you know, roll-ups that require a settlement layer to deploy natively on, on Celestia. So you can kind of think of that um, Sevmos as sort of like a stripped-down EVM chain that other roll-ups sort of deploy their roll-up contracts to. It basically enables, enables people to, to build roll-ups in the way that they are used to but only on like natively on Celestia. Got it. Does Mustafa want to, uh, want to join as a speaker? Yeah. Mustafa <laughs> wants to come. I mean, like it be some very good uh, insights as well. Ken, Ken from Delphi is also on the call and I'm sure he, he's, he's really deep, deep on this <laughs> stuff. So he could, I'm sure like chime in. Yeah, yeah. Let me invite him up to speaker. Also, I was kind of holding off because I thought we, we, were can, we can, a little bit closer. We to can, three. we can, we we, <laughs> we are way over time, so I'm I'm also happy to end anytime. I'm I'm happy to continue to go. So, okay. um, cool. yeah, yeah. If, yeah, yeah. I think Arlen needs to drop, but he did. Uh, he did send us all. Message, okay, so. sounds good. Yeah. Hey everyone. John. Yeah. What's up, man? Hey, what's up? What's up, everyone? Glad to be <laughs> part of this community. Um, obviously, as Delphi, we're super bullish. Um, we, we see the merit in, in this design, and we think it's a paradigm change, to be honest, and very excited to, to be part of it. Um, I, I don't want to take us into, into a new rabbit hole, especially... Um, um, uh, I will be hosting uh, John Adler in, in a week or two, in in Delphi podcast, and I um, and I'm collecting some questions for that podcast. So um, I just pin, pinned uh, my tweet. Uh, so if you go to my profile, you can just drop your question in case you want to like get them answered. I promise I will ask most of them. Um, yeah, just just want to say that for now. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be great too. By the way, I'm I'm yeah, I'm going to be there too. Uh, and and John is 
uh, a lot more technical than me. So he can, he'll be able to like go really deep <laughs> if you want to. Yeah. Like very excited for now, maybe one, one question that, that I'm cu curious to know is, um, you mentioned that uh, that you're also providing tooling for for rollups, um, uh, Nick. Um, mm -hmm. One area that I want to better understand is like uh, how would rollups implement a leader leader selection, and whether like having execution decoupled from consensus has any impact on this like does it does it change the, the way rollups operate today in ethereum um and yeah could you could you share your thoughts on that a bit yeah i i actually think this would be a great one for mustafa so if he does want to join we can do that i'm i'm also happy to take it i don't know if he's indicated his uh desire to be a speaker I, I did offer him to. He's, speak, he's good. But, he's uh, chilling. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, he, maybe yeah. he's maybe he's busy doing something. Just kind of listening. In. I'll shoot him another. I'll shoot him another invite. But oh, there he is. Wanna... Oh, did he? He oh, said wait. he wants to speak. Okay, perfect. There we go. Right. Yeah, there we go, baby. Take it away. I may have to drop soon too. By the way, so I can also let Mustafa sort of take over. Yeah. So, in terms of uh, lead selection for rollups. So like one thing we're building there is uh, Optimin, which is a replacement. It's like a drop-in replacement for Tendermint. Um, so if you want to deploy your own like roll-up chain on Celestia, you don't need. You obviously don't need. You don't need your own consensus because you're using Celestia for consensus. In the sense that Celestia, you just dump your blocks onto Celestia, and Celestia provides an ordering over your blocks. But what you do need um, is some kind of like leader selection mechanism uh, for your rollup, like in terms of like who gets to create the next block. Now, in the original and, laser, and that's paper, important for for censorship resistance, right? Or, or are there other reasons it's important? Yeah, it's important mainly for liveness and censorship resistance, because you don't want to end up in a situation where, um, like, you have a central operator for the rollup. And um, the rollup just, the operator just goes offline and everyone's funds are frozen. If that actually happens, because our rollups, because we have this idea of sovereign rollups, um, if your rollup is sovereign, then it's possible the community can just hard fork. But then you have like various issues with, with bridges um, that might be dead. Um, but like in the original Lazy Ledger paper, um, the original, the original, the original Lazy Ledger paper was created three months before John proposed this idea of optimistic rollups. And in that original paper, the idea was, um, it was like the application environment was basically like optim, like rollups, but there was no concept of blocks. It was like, let's suppose you have an application on Celestia. Anyone can submit a transaction for the application, um, and like anyone, uh, and, and if you just process all the transactions on that chain, you just ignore the invalid transactions, and everyone can still agree on the state of your application because everyone knows what the transactions are because they have availability and ordering. 
And that's like, that's, that's still uh, like, that's not practical for a lot of applications. And that's why optimistic rollups are, are, are um, so useful because they have this concept of blocks and, and block producers. But this idea where there's no blocks at all and just, just, just a bunch of transactions is still quite useful for some applications. Um, like for example, one thing we want to do is create a, like a, like a celestial domains um, so, like domains is an example application mentioned in the, in the latest ledger paper. Like, you don't really need you don't need any block producer technically to have like a domain application on your chain. Um, like you just have people like register their, register their domain by submitting an on-chain transaction to say, "Hey, I claim this domain." And like if there's two conflicting transactions, they, they just they just ignore the second one. So, like for some applications. You, you can you can use you can do something much more simple than a roll up, like you don't even like without without any kind of concept of blocks or leader selection. Yeah, that, 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 and that's kind of again the the advantage of modular is that you have complete freedom, right? You don't have to build within sort of like I don't know fixed boundaries. And like Mustafa said, like different applications have different needs. So like certain needs, certain applications don't even need leader selection. Um, but we're, I think we're kind of trained to think in this way because everything is currently being, being built in the monolithic paradigm, uh, which is, which has gotten us this far. Um, but it's not necessarily the future. Um, there's, there's a lot of innovation ahead of us. Yeah, the, the, the leader selection stuff um, is mainly useful for like a high level of com of composability um, and trust minimized communications. Um, like the reason why rollups of Ethereum need leader, need leader selection, for example, is because um, if you just if you just make it that anyone can just create a block, then that then people could just reverse the chain with invalid blocks, and that would force um, like people to kind of challenge those blocks with fraud proofs, which is potentially expensive to do on chain. Um, but that's not necessarily the case if you have your roll up. If if your roll up doesn't settle to like an on chain settlement there, then that's not necessary. Got it. Yeah, that, that's very insightful. Um, yeah, that. <clears throat> That actually makes a lot of sense. Um, that you don't have to run these fraud proofs on chain, which would be expensive, and that's why um, that's why leader election can be more flexible in in terms of like how you implement your leader election. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. Do we have um, more questions? Uh, this would be the best time. Like, Ansem, do you have uh, some questions for the original author? <laughs> I feel like I always have questions. Um, <laughs> so I guess I guess let's see. One of the questions I have is that I know Celestia scales with like non-block producing nodes. Um, so like the more like light clients that you have, it makes it easier for like the data availability sampling, like the, those proofs to work because you have more people sampling 
um, for each block. But I know that still, if you're going to have a, like, if you're going to scale to a lot of rollups using Celestia, then the full nodes and the block producers, I guess my question is how, what's the plan for scaling those? Like, is there, is there a, a like, do you guys plan to have a set amount of those and then scale, like, the compute power of those? Or um, is there any any way for, like, I guess, like, is it, is it supposed to, like, scale linearly, like, for, like, the, the full nodes um, as well as, like, the non-block producing nodes? So I guess is the question, like, uh, how do we scale the value layer? Like, how do we scale the actual block production on the chain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting question because, um, like, everyone has every like every blockchain project has a different definition of scalability, and that's why you end up with these like different. Like, if you like, as you say, if you ask every single blockchain project, what's the bottleneck? Uh, they, they say something different, but that's because they have a different definition of scalability. Um, right. Like for us, what like what we've always said is um, so scalability is basically like the throughput of the chain divided by the cost for end users to verify the correct correctness of that chain. Um, and what what Celestia does really well is this is is the second part of that. Uh, the costs of um, effectively the cost of um, users verifying that chain uh, because we have data availability sampling. Uh, but then, so that's but that's only one occasion of, of of scaling. So then the question is like, what about how do we actually scale, you know, the block production on block on the validators end? So our, our philosophy has for that has always been like, um, and, and this was originally controversial at the start, but our philosophy has been um, it's fine to assume block producers that have very high resource requirements, as long as the end users don't have to have high resource requirements to actually verify the correctness of that chain. And this was very controversial at the start and like was criticized criticized by like you know Vitalik, for example, had a Reddit comment saying, Oh yeah, like Celestia is basically like Ethereum 2.0 but centralized. Um but then he released this his endgame post, which was basically saying the same thing that's what we were proposing, which is basically centralized or not necessarily centralized, but high resource requirements for block producers, um, but low resource requirements to actually verify the chain. And the way that would work, if you want to have, if, and in, basically in order to scale block production end, you need to increase the resource requirements for block producers. And the, sole, the, 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 the main like way of doing that is um, like there's something I call node sharding. Um, so if you look at the original like sharding proposal in Ethereum 2.0, what they were doing is something called consensus sharding, which is this idea where um, like different nodes can 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 participate in consensus in the chain, but like you're splitting up the consensus of the chain to different nodes. So like let's say like one node like if if you're if you're a low resource validator, you can you can help to you can still help to produce blocks in like one shard. Like if there's sixty four shards, for example, you can just join two shards or three shards. Um, 
But this was recently changed in Ethereum 2.0 uh, with this proposal called called bank sharding uh, by Dankrad Feist, where the, where the idea is instead of having uh, like 64 committees producing those 64 shards, you just have one committee uh, producing blocks in those 64 shards. And that effectively boils down to um, this idea again where node block producers have high resource requirements. Um, so, in like, so basically, the TLDR to that is if you want to increase block production, you just need to uh, like increase, like increase the kind of like basically internally shard the block production software. I don't know if that that's probably too deep into weeds, but I don't I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. That that is exactly what I was asking. Because um, I know like Solana. Is Solana is, is similar in that they want their nodes to be like high resource, um, but they don't separate. Unlike they don't separate in the way that light clients um, are able to like confirm the chain the way that Celestia does. So. Okay, well, um, do we have any more questions? Uh, pretty good. Stuff. Bacon, Anthem. Uh, I'm pretty. I I need to do a lot more reading personally, uh, but so yeah. far, like it's, it's super refreshing to see a project that's very um, designed from the ground up, very first principles, and really tackling some of the core problems and not giving up and, and saying like we could do way better and this is uh, very cool yeah uh, Nick or uh, Mustafa already left Nick do you have any finding closing thoughts or anything mm, all I'll say is um, uh, I just want to thank Ansem and John and also you guys at M6 for um, helping, like giving us a voice essentially, because, you know, we're a new project and there's a lot of, you know, noise out there, a lot of people talking and um, it's just very helpful to have people to help spread what we're doing. And that's, you know, half the battle, half the battle is building it and half the battle is getting people to understand because it's so new and innovative and um, everyone who's listening, thanks for tuning in. If you have more questions, we're going to be doing um, more interviews in the future. Like yes, John mentioned, so, we're going to Delphi. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, can, uh, Chan has a, a... Sorry if I'm botching your name there, but uh, he has a tweet pinned on his Twitter. Uh, you can put your questions under there, and he'll ask them on the next... Uh, on their podcast. So... Yeah, and, and also we, we, we really want to... We might start doing our own Twitter spaces at some point. This is an idea that we're toying around with, so stay tuned on that front. I'd love to join more. I mean, do some reading and come with the questions. It's like a... For sure. For sure. Uh, Mustafa, thanks for coming on, too. Um, and same thing with you, Ansem. Uh, I shot you a DM, by the way, if you want to come on. Okay. Cool. Okay, cool. sweet. Yeah, we'll talk more. I believe we'll talk more. Uh, I was like,
Oh yeah, no problem. Uh, anything else you want to close off with, uh, Mustafa? Uh, Mustafa, Mustafa um, I, I have a short question before before we uh, hop off. Um, when you when you've done the data availability sampling with your iPhone, um, how how was your battery usage? I'm just curious. <laughs> good question. Good question. I haven't, but I haven't run it that much, so I have, like I haven't done any. I haven't run it like in a you know over a long term period, so I can't. Not sure what the battery usage is like. Um, I just run it on my on my Android phone, but I suspect like, um, like the, like the, 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 I suspect the battery usage won't be great. Like you'll have to optimize that. Like if you're if you have if you have a background up constantly running uh, doing the sampling. Um, that's a very naive, naive way of doing it. Um, so like, if you want to do it properly, you have to like optimize it. Like you could like by doing like push notifications, for example, for the data availability samples, or only doing the data sampling once the user has their wallet open, for example. Got it. Got it. Okay, I think that's. Um... That's a good spot to to close off. Um, um, thanks, thanks again for joining, um, uh, Luke. Maybe uh, let's make sure to have this um, summary up ASAP, and um, this episode will be also be, I guess, one of our most popular. And I'll, we'll definitely have to review internally as well to cover some of the key points. Um, sunset sounds good. For, yeah, and. and uh... Garlem also mentioned something about you guys wanted to create some kind of visual stuff. So, oh yeah, so we uh, that. all of that stuff. I feel free to get in touch and of course, happy yeah. to help. Um, okay, yeah, you're going to be hearing from prob probably me or Kadim. Um, yeah, in the Telegram over that. So, uh, yeah, we'll get something started there going as soon as we can. Sounds good. All right, you guys. Thanks for hosting. Ansem, John. Thanks for asking questions. Uh, also good to see a lot of friendly faces in the listener category.